Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're looking at Matthew 27. Uh, we've been trying to look at multiple passages each day through these Passion Week uh, devotions. Um, but being that we're looking at the crucifixion of Jesus, I, I think it'd be good just to look at from one vantage point, especially since Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are very similar in, in many ways. Uh, but we have to do a lot of skipping. It's, it's a long chapter. Um, it, it begins there in verse 1, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away, delivered him over to, to Pilate, the governor. So this picks up from chapter 26 where Jesus has monkey trial before the Jews. They find him guilty of blasphemy, but that is not a capital offense to be carried out by Rome. So they have to go to Pilate, had to give him different charges. Now what Matthew does, and we spend a lot of time with this, on this whenever we went through our devotions of Matthew, uh, is, is verses 3 to 10 is about the suicide of Judas. You remember we talked about it. It was a lot of juxtapositions. One is a juxtaposition of repentance, Peter versus Judas. Also a juxtaposition of two deaths, Judas and Jesus. Uh, both die upon a tree. Um, one dies because of his sin. The other dies for the sins of others. Um, but but you, you can there's more to it than that. I've preached an entire sermon on it and then our devotions. So Jesus is taken before Pilate, um, and uh, they accuse him of insurrection. That is a capital crime. Uh, Rome doesn't tolerate that as the uh, Barabbas and Thieves on the Cross demonstrate. But Pilate knows that he is innocent. And Matthew goes out of his way to show us that Jesus is innocent. So we get Pilate and his wife, the centurion, uh, a, a group of people, who uh, Simon Cyrene, who, who who really try to demonstrate that though Jesus is being punished, he's being punished for a crime he did not commit. In fact, one of the main points of the Barabbas scene, which we want to look at now, is to show Jesus died upon someone else's cross, not his. Jesus is the innocent victim, and because of the injustice of the system, he died when, when the guilty should have gone free. And that, of course, is a picture of the gospel, isn't it? That we should have died and suffered uh, the blunt force of our sin, not Christ. Um, and yet, he dies for us and in our place and for our sins. So you get the Barabbas narrative there, starting verse 17. So when he, they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas? Um, or Jesus, who is called Christ, you can see he's 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 trying to get the crowd uh, to to side with Jesus, you know, because they're looking for Messiah, and Pilate knows that. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Of course, that is precisely true. It's amazing what envy will do, and how we will hurt each other over it. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, "Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream." And this is, of course, to illustrate and to add to it that both Pilate and his wife know Jesus is innocent. But nevertheless, uh, the end of verse 22, they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. Again, Pilate is, is confused. Why would you let a known insurrectionist, a, a domestic terrorist, if you want to, uh, go free, but you want an innocent man who's not done anything wrong, legally at least, uh, to, to be executed. I mean, it's just so shocking to Pilate. And so what Pilate does is he takes the coward's way out instead of leading. Um, and, and leadership means doing the right thing even if it costs you. Is He, he thinks that if he ceremonially washes his hands, um, he is free from um, 
any guilt. And that, it doesn't work that way, does it? Um, Pilate is, is guilty um, because he has the power and the authority to set Jesus free, and yet he doesn't do it. Right, so he washes hands and says before the crowd, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. And verse 26 is the central verse, really, of, of all four Gospels. Mark has one very similar. Then he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. That is the Gospel narrative in a single verse. They led him away to be crucified. And, of course, the emphasis from there on is the mockery of Jesus. And they mock Jesus as king. So they will put a purple robe on him, a, a crown. In this case, it's a crown of, of long thorns and they will dig it deep into his skull they will pay homage to him in a mocking way they give him a fake scepter and all this it's all about mockery um, the sign above his head verse 37 over his head they put the charge against him which read this is Jesus the king of the Jews now if you put the four gospels together you you get a fuller picture of what it actually said it's something like this is Jesus of Nazareth um, the king of the Jews or, or something like that uh, but the point in Matthew's, remember, the whole point of Matthew is to present Jesus as king. And so um, he's going to shorten the sign to see here that Jesus is crucified as king. Um, and that is supposed to be a source of mockery, but it, it ends up being um, uh, proven right when he's risen from, from the dead. Go down to verse 42. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel, they say mockingly. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. Of course, there's real irony here, and this is something that, that John picks up on, that he did save others, but in order to save others, he must not save himself. Right? They have no idea how close they are to understanding Jesus' mission being fulfilled upon the cross. Um, and that is what makes him king. He does what Pilate refused to do. He makes the hard decision and suffers for the good of others. Um, verse 45, so we move from mockery to judgment. Now, from the sixth hour, uh, that is noon o'clock, so uh, it starts 6 a.m., the, the, the day starts 6 a.m., so, so you, you start counting from there. So the sixth hour is noon, darkness over all the land till the ninth hour, three. So the brightest parts of the day, noon to three, is dark now. Darkness is almost always associated with judgment in the Old Testament. Uh, an easy example of that is uh, the, uh, the plagues, right? Darkness over Egypt, light in um, Goshen, where the Jewish slaves were. Um, here you have darkness. The prophets talked about darkness as a sign of judgment. You remember that Jesus arrests out of darkness uh, by bringing light in the creation story. He brings order out of that chaos. Um, and so Jesus cries out loud voice at the ninth hour, which is again 3 p.m. After three hours of suffering upon the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, we, we've looked at a lot of these in some detail with our devotions, but that, of course, is quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. And in quoting Psalm 22, verse 1, he's not only identifying with that verse, but with the entirety of the psalm, which is a messianic psalm that describes the suffering of the Messiah. Is a Davidic psalm, um, and uh, Jesus is saying this, that passage is being fulfilled at this very moment. Um, and so Jesus dies. Uh, there, verse 50, he cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. Notice how the gospel writers tell the story. Jesus didn't succumb to death. He gave up his spirit to death. There's a big difference. Jesus dies victoriously. He cries out with a loud voice. Right? And he dies not because he's weak. 
but that he surrenders to death in order to conquer death, to crush its skull, along with that of the ancient serpent. So verse 51, Behold, as a result, Jesus is dead. Behold, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Now, all this is signs of judgment, right? The earthquake, all of that, we get the same imagery throughout the Old Testament and in Revelation. Uh, we see earthquakes all over Revelation uh, as, as a evidence of of judgment. The ripping of the curtain was uh, a, a, an act showing that God no longer dwells in a temple, in a building, but he will dwell in the hearts of men and women. That will be ultimately fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Verse 54, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. It's amazing that Matthew puts these words on the lips of a pagan Gentile Roman centurion, not a lifelong faithful ethnic Jew. So we see Matthew's vision of, of the kingdom of God is much bigger than that of Israel. It is global. And so from there, what is we see that Jesus has died? Um, he will then be buried. Matthew goes out of his way to identify for the reader the burial spot of Jesus. So we know who owned the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. And so it would have been a known tomb, and you could have asked a number of people, uh, including the state, uh, where was Jesus buried? And they would have in the records. Well, it was owned by a guy named Joseph Arimathea. It is in this plot, right? We do the same thing today. Um, and so so it's not that they went to the wrong tomb. It, it was a public record where Jesus was buried. And then there is a guard at the tomb. So if you, you couldn't find Joseph Arimathea, you can go to Pilate and say, what? where did you put those guards at? Right? And, and they put the guards there because they knew, the disciples knew where Jesus was buried. Right? I mean, the, the, Matthew goes out of his way to demonstrate. No, there was no roundabout way to explain the resurrection. We knew what tomb he was at. It was guarded, so you can't blame us for stealing the body, which is a major point he makes in chapter 28. No, Jesus raised himself from the dead by the power of God, thus crushing the head of the serpent, thus uh, removing the sting of death, and, and liberating us from our sin. That is the good news of Easter. And on this Good Friday, how vital is it that we look at the cross and understanding all of its good and its glory. Hope to see you guys tonight at our Good Friday service, 630. Uh, but if not, Lord willing, maybe Sunday mornings we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. See you then.